I mean, it's winter days, and I found out about that really good deal for Planet Fitness, like super cheap um, gym membership. That this isn't a paid ad for Planet Fitness. Uh, although, I mean, whatever. If if you're one of our, I think we've determined so our listeners, one of them are Daniel K. Two of them are NSA people figuring out if we're threatening the president. Uh, <laughs> and, and what is the, Planet Fitness? Yeah, when it's Planet Fitness. So hey, uh, yeah, your facility seems nice. Uh, so I I got a membership. I went there, um, looked around, had my card activated, looked at the machines. You know, went to the changing room to get, set up the app. Kind of looked at some exercises. Looked up, saw a woman, realized I'd been sitting in the wrong changing room for like ten minutes. Walked back out. I can't go out there anymore. So sorry, Planet. <laughs> sorry, Planet Fitness. <laughs> One. Oh shit! Uh, do that again. Seventy episodes. <laughs> In three, two, one. Welcome to Brokusatsu, two brothers' exploration of Tokusatsu shows and associated media. I'm Harry, and I'm Sam, and I apologize for forgetting to say Happy New Year to people. Like I think we've. We have a nice running track record of forgetting every fucking holiday, and this is going to be especially galling because we kind of record about a like half a week in advance. So this is going to be coming out in the double digits of January. It's kind of on point because last time we were apologizing for not saying a different thing about the previous episode because Harry, that was episode, episode 69. 69 was our New Year's episode. But uh, also, Sam, when you said you had something to apologize for, I thought you were going to apologize for that time when, in the middle of the night, you asked me to come and pick you up from a random car dealership. I showed up, you were wearing nothing but a robe, and, like, passing off a car keys, and you had you had no explanation for what was going on. Harry, why, why would I apologize for that? What in that story is there to be ashamed about? It was the middle of the night... I was dropping off my car for some routine maintenance. I needed a pickup. Why the fuck should I actually work? It was the middle of the night, Harry. First of all, it's January. So? Second of all... It's a fluffy robe. It's very warm. You wear clothes when you're outside. And just to be clear, because like some people... Some people in the audience might be thinking, like, oh, it'd be weird that he was wearing a robe over, like, normal clothes. No, he was clearly naked under the robe. No, like, no, 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 no. I-, I had shorts, Harry. I had shorts. You had underwear. Well, I had shorts that looked like underwear. Or underwear uh, well, that looks like shorts. I mean... Well, it- guess what? I didn't want to observe it too closely, so I guess I can't dispute you on this. Like, in, that, in the state of mind I was in, I was just like, I'm just gonna do this and... Well, uh, clearly I wasn't able to forget about it. Mm, you know, let's let's just wash that out with uh with our usual coverage. Sam, what are we covering first? Uh, Common Rider zero one followed by Common Rider Gaim. Uh, we're on uh, what? What's the episode number for zero one? Seventeen. Okay, Harry, Harry, remind us in like five episodes. We need to remember zero one episode twenty three, so we can do zero one two three as some kind of joke. Harry, we need to remember this. It's six episodes of the future. Are we going to remember it? Probably not. God Whatever. damn it. I mean, I guess we were pretty strongly reminded that's New Year, because at the start of this episode, uh, Aruto and Izu get dressed in traditional dress and say, hey, happy New Year. 
yes, we just need to, you know, watch these on time so that the characters can remind us of the holidays that we are forgetting. Do you think we can get them to, like, remind us of our parents' birthdays? Because that has not been great. Do, do you think there's, like, a uh, international cameo service where we can get tokusatsu actors to remind us, like, basic things in our lives? Like, hey, it's laundry day. Maybe, maybe. And if not, we should find some way to start it. But yeah, so after a nice Happy New Year message from uh, Aruto and Izu, uh, the angry VP and his assassin sex bot, uh, they start screaming at them and they give the lowdown on Zaya and why they're uh, trying for a takeover bid. Yeah, they're an international corporation that's got its fingers in lots of uh, commercial pies. And Guy Amatsu is the head of the Japanese branch. But uh, Aruto, he's confident he's going to fight off this takeover bid. He's resolute. Because it's New Year's. Also, I mean, like, when they say take a... Do they understand, like, you know, how takeover bids work? Like, they kind of have to... A person has to get control of, like, 51% of the stock, or they need to convince 51% of the stock to side with them to, like, replace a CEO. Like, there's, there's ways to do a takeover bid, and if they... Short story, if Guy has 51% of the stock on his side, he can do it and they can't stop him. If he doesn't, he can't do it, and they can stop him. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's the corporate thing of, like, there, there's there's ways that this is a struggle one way or the other, where they are talking to shareholders and stuff and getting them to keep and not sell and stuff. And, I mean, in this episode, Guy, when he talks about a thing, basically the terms is that if he gives up, he will allow hidden intelligence to kind of buy back the shares that he's gotten. So it is a share-based thing. All right, so we'll get to that, but... Uh, so we find out that uh, Guy's whole secret plan that he's uh, been, you know, that he's been building up for is to sell Google Glasses to people. Which really does make, like, man, they just up to this villainy. Like, not only is he an asshole who's working with murderers, he's selling Google Glasses. As much as I'm the type of nerd who liked the idea of Google Glasses, this is definitely science fiction in that, in real life, the the way to fight this could have just be wait for the product to fall through and then they're fine. <laughs> it's a Zaya spec. It's a next generation interface that gives its user the cognitive power of AI, your brain at a thousand percent. And in a co- coffee meeting, he, he mentions to Aruto that, yeah, we've managed to achieve 724% of our sales goal. And Aruto fires back, oh, not a thousand percent. That's usually your thing. And guy stares at him. Oh, just, it's such a glorious, beautiful death stare. That guy gives Aruto, and I just want to stand up and applaud Aruto. Like, we don't see that many just huge, sick burns from Aruto, and this one landed just so beautifully. Like, a lot of the other heroes we've been watching, especially Kota, Kota's such, like, a nothing, happy peacenik all the time, but Arto, he's a good person, but he will occasionally be a big jerkin when the person deserves it, and I love that. Yes, well-placed snark is very critical for a good hero. Uh, now, the plot of this episode is a uh, guy, as Harry mentioned, uh, is proposing some kind of contest. A uh, guy wants to prove that his uh, zero spec, zero spe- what the fuck is it called? Zyaspec. Zyaspec. God, spectacles. <sighs> so, Zyaspec is superior to human gears, and uh, humans wearing Zyaspecs will be able to outperform human gears. And so they're going to do a contest, five rounds in different fields. They only 
really get to one, so we're only going to be discussing one today. But I wanted to slap Ruto for accepting this, because this is incredibly dumb. It's going to be controlled by Zaya, corrupted by Zaya, not to mention, like, they're, they're in completely different fields. Like, human gears and Google glasses are so completely different as a product line. Like, the point of getting a human gear on a product, or on on some kind of project, isn't that they're doing it better than humans necessarily. It's that a human no longer has to do that process. Yeah. Like, we don't send drones to, like, deliver shit and pick up trash because they're inherently better than humans. We do it because humans don't want to do it. No, yeah, um, and, but that is true, but it's a strong character beat for Arto because the way Guy phrases it, this is kind of proving the worth of uh, human gears. Like, Arto, he has his faith totally in human gears and, and their ability to develop and be a super valuable part of civilization. Though, I I totally get why he would make this decision. It's it's a very rude move to accept this and to have faith in human gears and also not realize that he's walking into a trap set by Zaya that will obviously, obviously work. Yeah, and to be clear, the terms of this, the terms of this competition, is that uh, if uh, Hidden Intelligence wins, uh, then Zaya Enterprises they'll stop their takeover bid and they'll allow Hidden Intelligence to buy back their shares. And if they lose, then the Zaya Enterprises will basically basically just keep going forward. So in in theory, they don't have a lot to lose, but a very public loss like this would drive down their stock price, making it way easier for Zaya Enterprises to. You know, take them over. So it, it is. It, it does make it's sense. A public, it's a public relations nightmare for them if they lose, and they're going to lose. Of course, they're going to lose. And do you know why they're going to lose? Because the first contest, Harry, is fucking floral design. It is the most subjective of art forms. Like this is straight up, like you know, ice dancing with the Russian judges. Guess what? The Russian judges gave the Russian dancers full points. And, oh, everyone else doesn't get any points because it's subjective. And so, and here's another unfair thing, because uh, the human gear that Aruto and Izu go through the database and decides to pick is a very talented florist human gear, Ichirin Sakuyo. She's cultivated and sold many flowers, but hasn't really done flower arranging, so she'll do AI training for that. Who's the human who has been chosen to do this? Well, it's the Grandmaster Monk floral designer who lives on top of the mountain and does nothing but design floral arrangements, because I guess that's a career in Japan. Yep, the head of the Tachibana school, the super prestigious floral arranging guy. So, I mean, the judges, they'll definitely know this guy, he'll be super respected in the field, they'll love him anyways, like, I could, you know, it's not like they're gonna, it's not like they're judging the arrangements blind, you know? I know, like, if if they could have judged the arrangements blind, maybe, maybe this would have been fair. But they don't. Of course they don't. Like, the floral arrangers, like, when they get to it, they get to explain their arrangement to the judges. They get to speak and interact with the judges, thereby corrupting the impartiality of it. And I mean, maybe that's how, that, maybe that's how floral arrangements are judged, because I think usually these things aren't, like, super... I don't think there's very high stakes judging for floral arrangements most of the time. Oh, you say that, Harry. You say that, but god damn it. We the Puyol, think about the Puyol affair, Harry. Think about the flowers, they get the blue ribbons, 
And think about the flowers that don't get the blue ribbons, Harry. Do you think there's not, like, money and sex and death that is exchanging hands every year at the Puyallup Fair? Knives out, thorns out. There's been a thing this show where we complained about some contest being totally... Is it when they did uh, competitive roulette? Because that's not a thing. When did they do competitive roulette? In, in double, like uh, like the second episode. God, Harry, that was a year ago. Harry, I can't remember anything. Like, Okay, f- fair enough. But I mean, the, even for Tokusatsu, where we've seen lots of competitions that don't exactly make sense, this is pretty silly. And also, the head of the Tachibana school, he meets with Guy, is like, yeah, you, you've definitely awakened me to the use of this Zaya spec. And it's on his head, and it's glowing red, and it's clearly making his brain evil. Like, that's the thing this Zaya spec does, doesn't it? Yeah, so we're probably going to get some kind of storyline where these aspects are, like, interfering with people's heads. Like, when they when he says that it increases brain power a thousand percent, so these things are, like, they're straight hacking into brains, aren't they? And, and Guy, he has said to someone, oh, the last time I was in charge of an AI, I did immediately program all of humanity's sins into it just to drive it crazy for no apparent purpose. I mean, we're kind of jumping around a little bit in this episode and just screaming about the contest. Um, there's a bit where there's a berserker bot with no belts. Where the where the fuck did that thing come from? Like, and Aruto, after they, you know, after they dispatch it pretty handily, Aruto uh, does kind of do some research. Like, it shows that they are looking into these things and there was no sign that anyone interfered with this human gear. Uh, there should have been no reason for it to get corrupted and turn into, you know, the... That Metsubo Jinrai... What are we calling these things? Um, Just berserkers? God, I think there's a term for them, but I'll look it up, but uh, maybe they'll just say it. They'll probably... Look, it's Tokusatsu. They'll have a specific word for it, and they'll let us know what it is. Uh, But yeah, right now we'll just call them uh, rampant. Uh, Actually, in the translation we did, they called them rampants a lot. So they're rampant uh, human gear, so let's call them rampants. Okay, I like rampants. So... They can't figure out what happens to this rampant, because as far as they can tell, Metsubo Jinrai is gone. Like, they're not around vamping. They're not putting belts on people. Like, in fact, Aruto specifically points out that this one is not wearing some kind of belts that caused it to go evil. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, the florist, Humagear, she's uh, connected to satellites. She's getting all the flor- flower arrangement knowledge sent directly into her brain. And she stands up and says, yep, I'm a genius at floral arranging now. And uh, Aruto and Izu both give her some finger guns. So uh, they have the contest. Oh, oh, actually, actually this is a thing that we make a uh, skipped past a little bit. Uh, Izu, I mean, she's doing more of Aruto's uh, little motions, but she's actually starting to crack jokes like him. Like she said, oh, we'll connect you to Satellite Zaya and she'll give you uh, the knowledge in Flaumation. That's right. Aruto was very happy that she cracked a pun. Like, he almost started crying uh, that his assistant was, you know, she's she's developing a personality. Izu's sentience and her development as, like, you know, a sentient, sapient mind is one of the core themes of the show. And we are seeing that she is developing uh, in leaps and bounds, especially since her near-death experience a couple episodes ago. It's time to begin the contest. Yep. Yua is the announcer, which means that Zaya is, of course arranging the themes of this contest making this even even more corrupted god damn it aruto like you did you didn't seize control of any of this i mean we'll see maybe hidden intelligence will be able to pick the second job thing like that that seems both like a type of thing that would be fair and aruto may have not realized to point out in time 
we the contest starts and they go to uh, do their flowers. At this point, we jump to a completely different scene. So Fua is barely in this episode. He is, in fact, only in the scene that we are going to discuss right now. Yeah, because he has pulled out his gun. And he's pointing it at the head of Hirobi, who's awake again. So I was kind of assuming at the end of the last couple episodes that Hirobe, when he opened up his eyes and, you know, woke up from his death state, that he was doing so at the behest of Guy, who was at Zaya. I was assuming that Zaya had Hirobe in custody, but now it would appear that Ames has Hirobe in custody and Zaya has discontinued their relationship with Ames, which would seem to mean, like, Harry, do we think that Hirobe is actually an X-Factor now? Does Guy know that Hirobe is alive? Hirobe, when Fua puts a gun to his head and says, I thought you were just scrap, why'd you activate? All Hirobe says is, this is the will of the Ark. It all depends on how much Guy is influencing the Ark. And not the other way around. Like, does Guy think he's influencing the Ark? Is the Ark playing him on the side? Like, how much does Guy actually control? Like, we all know that Guy thinks he's in control and he's going to go down and scream like, No, but I'm in charge. This can't be happening. You, you are my creation, as he's eaten by the Ark Beast or whatever later on. Like, that, that's going to happen. So, Harry, over under on if Guy knows Hirobe's alive. Either he knows he's alive or he wouldn't be surprised. He'd probably be like, oh, that's all part of my plan. I I don't think he'd be shocked to learn this at the very least. Fua asks if he has any other accomplices and what is this arc thing that no one's talking about? But Hirobi doesn't care, you know, destroy me, whatever. As long as humans exist, there will be more human gears. This is what we've learned from humans. There's no species as weak or foolish as you. That's what caused us to rise up 12 years ago. So now it's back to the contest after Fuo got that, you know, splash of cold water in his face. And it is time for the presentation. Uh, the Huigir goes first and presents her lovely flower arrangement. And then the asshole-like monk flower arranger presents his. And as he's presenting his, he's talking shit about the Humagir's flower arrangement. He even goes so far as to pull out a branch on hers and say that that branch, like disrupted the flow of her arrangement well and uh, it actually i mean you watched the episode when it came out i watched it just today it happens in the opposite order yeah first first it's the touch about a school guy he talks up his thing a uh, guy says his thing was great and then next is uh the human gears arrangement being judged uh but they do notice there's one specific flower that was weird and out of place and messing up the harmony and the human gear reacts and i'm pretty sure the plot line here is that the guy cheated yeah 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 and also, like, he, he he touched his opponent's flower. Isn't that a disqualification? Like, that seems like it should be a disqualification. Straight up disqualified. Well, then later he start he does, like, basically punch the human gear. It says, whatever, you're, you're shitty at a robot with the human gear. The, the, the human gear gets some lip and starts saying, hey, I've, I learned out, <laughs> I've been flower raging for all of one day because I'm a robot. But, right, even now I know. This is a reflection of the human heart, and what's expressed on Master Tachibana's work is repulsive and hideous. So the guy slaps her. No, he doesn't he punch her in the gut? He he pushes her down, essentially. Yeah, she goes down. Aruto and Izu bounce right up and start confronting the guy. Uh, then the florist turns into a, a, you know, a berserker bat. When she gets pushed down, there's a flash of the arc still in the lake. 
and she says, oh, humans steeped in their evil ways must be destroyed. So the Ark can now remotely hack pe- hack human gears that get pissed off. And that's not good. It's really not. I suppose, like, I suppose the human gears need to have some level of sentience so that they can feel rage at humans. It needed to find specific humans, but now if... If a human gear ever... Oh, that's actually true. If a human gear just dislikes humans, then it can tap into that and make them a magier. Mm. Oh, that's... It's not great. It's really not. Um, Especially because Guy's whole plan is going to lead towards inciting race riots towards uh, human gears, essentially. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the bat chases a Grandmaster out. Aruto goes out to defend. And here we finally get the reveal of Guy's belt. Yep. So it's the thing when the series first started, I was talking about how it's a little ambiguous as if this guy is a human gear or not, because he reveals this is the the uh, thousand driver. It uses both extinguisher keys and progress keys. The resulting power is a thousand percent that of the zero one driver. He transforms. Uh, it's, you know, it's not a bad transformation. Although, Harry, at the very end, the belt's like presented by Zaya. <laughs> Like, it's a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) I was not prepared for that, Harry. Presented by Zaya. Yeah, like, when he does the finishers later, the the pop-up screen that happens with the finishers, there's a copyright in the corner. I I was not prepared for that, and I absolutely love it. Like, that that is perfect, Harry. So, he says, my strength is off the charts. Then he pulls out his weapon, the Thousand Jacker. Yes. <laughs> then, then he runs over to Aruto, Sam. Uh, he he stabs Aruto in the groin with a thousand jacker, which is where his belt is. Uh, he charges up his jack crystal with the uh, with the Falcon technology. I've taken your technology, mm-hmm. and then he uses his finisher, the jacking break. <laughs> it's called the jacking break. <sighs> I love this show, Sam. I I don't know what that means in Japan. Like, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt that they didn't know what jacking meant. Now, I'm becoming more and more certain that they know what jacking is. He charged his jack crystal, Sam. He charged his jack crystal off his opponent's dick. Yeah. Uh, so the... Uh, the bat is quickly destroyed during this fight, but uh, the really important thing is that Guy decides to beat the shit out of Aruto. Like, specifically, when he transformed, it was just to fight Aruto. He only destroyed the bat because it started getting in the way. Yeah, so Guy straight into that villain track, not even pretending. Uh, and Aruto, so he's in Shining Hopper mode, and it is doing the Shining Hopper thing of dashing around and, like, dodging attacks and getting in once. But the trick with Thouser is because his output is so high, he's just taking punches and kicks and just standing there and no-selling them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he is uh, very nimble. Like, you know, Zero One is very much faster than this jacker, this jack-off, but he can't land an effective punch. Beats on Arto some. He does another jack move. Uh, and he lands another finisher, presented by Saya. Aruto goes down. Like, there's an explosion, he detransforms, and he's in that collapsed, semi-bloody state that we know and love. Guy detransforms. He says that he knew Aruto's grandfather, and he idolized him. 
he does some villain vamping for a bit and says that, hey, I'm going to take over your company. Your grandfather was a visionary. I idolized him, but his obsession with human gear was his downfall. But now I've surpassed zero one and I've proven my ambitions. If you want to try again, go ahead. And the episode closes with Yua getting a call that something else has been stolen from their uh, warehouses. If Again, I'll say it. If Zai isn't just evil and giving away the stuff, they have the worst security. Because what's <laughs> been stolen, Sam? Uh, a progress key was stolen by some mysterious guy in a cloak. Do, did you recognize it? Uh, was it? it? It was the Dodo key. It was the Dodo key. Goddamn yeah. Dodo key. Yeah, and the guy was wearing an outfit that looked a decent bit, like, uh... Like Jake? Yeah, Little Assassin. Well, I'd love to have Little Assassin back. Like, there was five of those guys, and one of them wasn't destroyed, so... But he also wasn't evil. Well, not yet, but what if... I mean, what if he realized that humanity sucks? Or, or, counterpoint, what if he realizes that humanity needs defending? What if Little Assassin is the next hero, Harry? Oh, face turned Little Assassin! Oh, oh I'm, t- I'm too excited. Like, I, we gotta, mm, I, I don't want to get my hopes up. Let's just move on to, uh, I mean, do you have anything else to say for Zero One? No, I mean, clearly this is like the first episode of a several episode arc. I don't know how long this arc is going to be, but um, I'm assuming two, three, four episodes. Are they going to go the full five rounds? I mean, the preview for next episode, I actually watched it. It does look like this is actually the first of a two-parter specifically for the flower one. Like, I, I think... Uh, there's more to be resolved here. So I I suspect this will be a 10 episode or so arc building up guy and stuff like that. So this may be like the middle arc of the show. Hey, I mean, if if they can keep a good momentum, then I would not mind that. Well, we'll see, you know, but for now, let's go into a show that has uh, that's now entering its final arc as it finishes up its middle one. Common Rider Guy. As we start, uh, we are with uh, Takatura and uh, the White King. Uh, the White King is describing how uh, the fruit of knowledge, like the person who uh, absorbs it, who controls that, can control the flora of the forest. They can reshape the world in one's own image. And Takatura immediately comes to the right conclusion. Hey, holy shit, we can fucking save Earth. But Rashio shakes his head and says, yeah, that's not going to happen. And when Takatura asks why... Sagra rounds the corner and says, because he's hoarding the golden fruit. <laughs> yes, Sagra with the late entry. Like, uh, did, did Takatura, he was not a part of those group huddles where they realized that Ta- uh, that Sagara was not human, right? He was part of the discussion where uh, he, uh, Michi said Kota got the stuff from, from uh, Sagra, and Takatura said, bah, that's ridiculous, so. So Sagara is there in full, like, you know, Star Wars, uh, desert traveler gear he is accusing the king of letting seven billion people die to save the one person he loved because he stole the fruit that was destined for the hero of earth seven billion is earth like is this is a late show reveal going to be that this is like earth no no it's an alien planet he's saying the fruit could be used by humans to save humanity but uh 
he wants to use it to save someone specific. And the camera pads over and we learn. So there's been some question of how advanced the uh, Linmyth civilization was. But now we know that they were advanced enough to invent their refrigerator. Because his romantic interest has been fridged, we see. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. I've been preparing that joke for like months. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And Sagar also specifically points out, you're one species grasping for two fruits. That's against the rules. Uh, at this point... Like, we jump back a little bit in time uh, to the fight between uh, Sid, Kotakaito, Michi in his uh, costume, and the Overlord. And we see the Overlord jumping through the crack into uh, into Earth again. Kota and Kaito immediately abandon the fight to go chase the Overlord. Kaito, do we remember when Kaito was saying that he didn't care about Earth and he wasn't a hero? Like, man, has he given that up. Like, he is... Kaito's probably the biggest hero the show has at the moment. Yes, Kaito is the protagonist of the show, really. Um, These couple episodes make that ever more clear. But also, I think he realizes, hey, this overlord isn't going to do it. Um, He's not going to save our world himself. But if we capture him, then maybe we can figure out some stuff. So he is, he's both doing pragmatic and personal stuff here. So the overlord, he gets to Earth, and his very first move is to bomb the city. Uh, he he thinks it's ugly, so he's just going to destroy it, burn it all down, and he's just firing energy blasts everywhere. We cut back to Helheim, where Sid and Michi, still kind of catching their breath, see another overlord showing up, Reggie. Yes, and uh, they, they get an attack formation, and then the overlord surrenders and says that he is at their mercy. And Harry... She, she, just going to oh, point she, out. Okay. Yeah. So this overlord... Is this like is this the Michi parallel, like the the schemer behind the scenes one? Kind of, yeah. But there's a token fight where again Sid and Michi, the two worst fighters of the show, uh, get some hits in, and Reggie falls to her knees and says, "Oh, I I surrender. I stand no chance. So I'll take you to the Forbidden Fruit." Sid just tilts his hat happily, but Michi stands back and says, "This is something stakes here." Yep. So back in the real world, uh, Kaito and Kota, they're confronting the Overlord. Uh, Kaito accuses the Overlord of being obsessed with power. Like, you know, teapot, stove, black. Like, I do it from the first glance. Hey, Kota, do you still think you want to talk it out? <sighs> yeah, so they realize that they gotta fight him. Sagara, he's still chat- chatting with Roshio. He-, he says, hey, so the remaining Linmyth, they're all big dumb idiots, but they're still hoping humanity. And Roshio is angry that... Sagara is taking their side to such an extent. And Sagara points out, hey, I, it's not exactly sporting to keep the challengers from having a chance, is it? At this point, the White King, he takes a shard of the Forbidden Fruit and he creates a driver. And I gotta assume that this is not, that this is one of, if not the, like, final form drivers that we're going to be seeing in the show. It's a little earlier than these usually show up, but the thing is, uh, Triumphant Arms that we've seen, the big... Warlord form. Well, not Warlord, because that's the next one he gets, but uh, everybody really likes it. It's big and stompy. It's a fun upgrade for Kota, but the suit itself it turned out to be really hard to maintain. It starts falling apart in the fight scenes, and in later scenes of the show, it's been visibly repaired and stuff like that. So they kind of introduced the next stage maybe a bit earlier than usual. Oh, uh, I guess. Okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. I really do like Triumphant Arms, though. No, it, yeah, everyone likes it, and everyone feels a little... I mean, the next... the 
it's so good that you can tell you can tell it's so good because this next form it's not bad it's just triumphant arms is really nice i i i have some thoughts but we'll get to that uh so russo he's got a new thingy uh says uh, another power that will only tempt people uh if if you believe in this hope sagro then test it with this and sagro smiles he takes the driver and we know that he's going to go and use it to tempt Koda. now back in the real world hey it turns out that the city has a mayor did we did we know this before? I I I gotta think he's kind of like the mayor in uh, Midgard or Midgar in Final Fantasy VII. Like, when do you break into the tower in the first part of the game? You just find in one floor the mayor that no one cares about because the whole town is owned by a corporation. So he's just on the phone and complaining that a monster has showed up and is tearing up everyone. He's on the phone with Peach. Uh, Peach is just trying to like you know get him to hang up, and. Warring, he goes with the protocol, like, first he bitches that they don't have their Death Star laser anymore, because I guess that his first move in this type of situation would be to kill the entire fucking town. Uh, but he is actually secretly happy because now they can capture the Overlord. But anyways, uh, he activates the Master Intelligence System, and we get a montage of people around the city, you know, calling the cops, uh, trying to coordinate stuff. All of their communications instantly shut down. Yep, full electronic communication blackout, just like every third world dictator does at the start of, like, the populist rebellion. Uh, And he floods the streets with Kurokage troopers. So, uh, we jump back to the fight with the Overlord uh, and Koten Kaito, and Koten Kaito, they're kind of losing, which is, I thought that Kaito alone was kind of on this guy's level the last time that they fought. Well, I mean, this guy, he's a big dumb idiot, and he, I think he's, you know, Kaito was getting stronger as he fights, but I think this guy, he also gets a little bit stronger as he fights, and also there's a thing where, um, he, it might be, it, uh, this is a very dirty reference, but I think he's almost like a Super Saiyan, where when he gets beat up and almost dies, the next time he comes back, he's stronger, and that's proven a couple times in these very episodes we're watching. I suppose so. He does... We also see that later on, like, if he eats fruit, he does get an immediate boost in power. So maybe he was doing that a little bit before he jumped these guys on the other side. He was uh, grinding, pumping iron. He he shouts that, uh, well, Kota asks him, why are you doing this? Why do you hate humans so much? And Demichu was like, no, 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 no. I, you think too highly of yourselves. I'm just doing this for fun. I, I want to crush the weak. It's the right of the victor. You know, to hear the lamentations of their women, such that. So Kota, he like, he has a brief like mental montage, he hears some voices, and he comes to the conclusion, all right, all right, I know I'm like the hero of like hope and justice and all that, but this guy's got to fucking die and there's no other way about it. Yeah, Kota, he's, his, his uh, naivety meter has emptied, which means it's time for her to be super useful and kill an enemy. Yes. And he's going in for the kill, like, he knocks this overlord about, like, staggers him, gets him ready for a finisher, but then he is stopped by Peach. Because Ryoba, he's worried that Kota is going to kill the overlord, they need him alive, so they snipe Kota and shoot him with a hundred machine guns. They're actively trying to kill Kota at this point. Uh, Kaito was kind of, like, knocked uh, knocked aside and buried in some rubble uh, during the fight, but... Uh, he gets a hold of his belt and he evacuates himself and Kota to go to the Grease Lightning Garage. Yep, like, uh, Peach, when she showed up, she says, hey, help us professor's orders. But the second he gets his thing back, he fires a wave of energy 
and pulls Kota out, shouting, You're all idiots! You could have gotten Kota to help you! Uh, jumping back into Helheim, uh, Michi is walking with the Overlord, Sid is a little bit ahead, and Michi tells the Overlord, Hey, um, you're full of shit, and I know it. Yeah, well, specifically, uh, Reggie says, Oh, right, right around that corner is the one that has the forbidden fruit. You're gonna have to take it by force, he's not going to give it to you. And, uh, so Sid goes to leave, and Michi says, ah, well, you know, the deal is that only one person gets the fruit, just so you don't even need to worry, Sid. You go deal with this on your own. <laughs> and when Sid smiles and runs off, Kota turns to him and says, this is a trap. You could have gotten away. You guys can teleport. I've seen it. You're just trying to make us fight that guy. Yeah, you can't get your own hands dirty, can you? And Reju starts laughing, leans in, <laughs> and whispers to him, you're very interesting. So, Sam, you've seen it in the show, Michi kind of move between people. He's the power behind the throne, right? Uh, how do you think he's leveled up this time? Uh, well, I think that this guy is a serious level up over Sid, at the very least. Kaito, he dumps Kota off at the Grease Lightning Warehouse. They have a heart-to-heart uh, with the crew there. Uh, Zack and, like, all the other Baron people are there. Teams are abandoned. And Zack pledges to follow Kaito. Uh, to go fight the Overlord, so R.I.P. Zack. I mean, he he lives through these next two episodes, but I'm still convinced that Zack is going to bite it before the end of the series. It, this this is a series with a high death count, I'll say that. Kota, just in despair, he has a conversation with Kaito, saying like, hey, is that what you're going to be like, Kaito? Are you just obsessed with power? And I really feel like Kaito was saying one thing, and Kota just is not getting it. Because Kaito says, hey, the weak are the prey for the strong, that's why we need power to be able to stand up to any foe. And Kota, he almost seems to take this as like, oh, Kaito, you're just a big idiot like that. But I, nobody gets Kaito. I know. Like, Kaito is espousing a, you know, a deterrence. Like a mutually, not even like mutually assured destruction deterrence. Just like a deterrence where if you're strong enough, you'll be left alone and you can have peace. Like, you know, in order to maintain peace, you must prepare for war. Sivas passum parabellum. Uh, he, he, I'm sure he really loved that John Wick movie. So, uh, back in the forest, um, Sid confronts the White King. Like, he, he thinks he has a shot. Uh, he sees Takatora. He's like, oh, man, I didn't expect to see you here. I guess you're alive. Well, whatever. Now you get to watch me become God. I'm going to fight the final boss right here and now. Oh, Sid, you started off this series as the smart one. Or at least at least the cunning one. This is his chance, because, uh, Rosho, he says, hey, is this what you're after? This golden fruit thing? Yeah, okay. Turn around now, and I won't have to kill you. Oh, Sid, if you had one shot, one opportunity, would you let it slide? Nope. Nope, he's going in. He's going in on the king. And, yeah, the, uh, tur- turns out that the final boss is strong. And he murders Sid, literally. Sid fires countless attacks against him, but he has an energy shield. He force pushes him against walls. He disintegrates his belt, and when Sid won't give up, he hovers in between two mountain-sized rocks and just crushes them together. Yep, uh, the camera pads up ever so briefly as the two giant boulders slam into each other. Uh, There's a little bit of a squish sound. And then we see Sid's fedora just kind of floating through the air. Oh no, he's a leaf in the wind. Uh, and as the episode closes, Yoko is watching over waves of troopers crashing against Demushu. 
and he's just taking them out like one after the other. Like they are burning through their stormtroopers real fast. Professor Rio, uh, Professor Rioma is on the radio, and uh, he's saying it doesn't matter. You know, the casualties are acceptable. We need this guy alive. And Yoko grits her teeth. It's like, ugh, I this is this is kind of sucking. Uh, but then Zack and Goto, uh, Zack and Kaito, they show up. Yep, and they transform, and they launch themselves into the fray. Next episode, it's a four-way fight with the Overlord. Like, uh, this is this is an immediate uh, continuation of the previous episode. Like, uh, Zack, Kaito, uh, Peach, and the Overlord, they are all tangling in this back alleyway that they always film these shows in. This seems like a good opportunity. They're getting Demshu on the... He, he's doing a little better, but Demshu, again, proving that they can teleport and get away, fires a big energy blast, teleports and gets away, saying, I'll come back to play with you later. Uh, and then he's running through underground tunnels. So the king uh, back in Helheim, he has some very harsh, untranslated words for the green overlord schemer. He appears to banish him to go hang out with Michi. And uh, as they're walking along, Michi and this overlord... Uh, the Overlord says that they need a different tactic to gain the fruit. There's a great moment where uh, Reju looks over and sees Takator holding Sid's hat. So she just force pulls it out of his hand. And when she goes up to Michi, she just gives him the hat. And it's clear like, oh, yeah, Sid's done. Yep. Kota wakes up uh, in the Grease Lightning Garage. Like he was dropped off there the previous episode and immediately fell into a main character coma. Uh, Maya's with him, and then Sagara arrives, and Sagara starts to drop some knowledge. Harry, was Maya aware that uh, Sagara was an interdimensional alien before this moment, or does she still think that he's a YouTube DJ? This might have been news to her. <laughs> Harry, if you and I are, like, at dinner sometime, and, like, the dude from Demolition Ranch shows up and just starts dropping intergalactic knowledge, or, like, some of the guys from Shut Up and Sit Down just teleport in and promise us power beyond our imagining like how would we respond i'd probably be cool with it yeah yeah me too they seem like cool guys like she's not the only one getting stuff dropped on her because there's scenes of the city basically under martial law like troopers marching through the streets people peeking out of curtains seeing them flamethrowing invests like it's the jig is up yeah yeah this is like Earth is Earth is starting to be invaded en masse, and Yggdrasil was not ready for it, despite their protestations that they were. Well, I mean, their initial plan was just to nuke the city once it started getting too bad. Uh, Kota shouts at Sagra, saying, hey, you lied to me, you said they could help. And he said, oh, no, 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 like, first of all, Demushu is nothing, he just wrecks things, he's basically a kitten. You know. Secondly, I didn't lie, I said that the overlords could control the forest, you just assumed things. Yes, what I meant was, you can become an overlord, and therefore you can be the one to control the forest. That's what I meant when I said the overlords had the power to change things. You have to pass the fort's trials and win the golden fruit. And when you do, you'll be in charge of both worlds. Save or destroy, it'll, it's your call. You have to beat everyone else who wants it. Are you up to it? And Kota is halfway through accepting when my paps up and says, Hey Kota, like... I don't trust this guy. He's clearly not telling you everything. <laughs> no, no, don't trust this shut up and sit down guys. Like, they must have another agenda. Uh, and Sagara shrugs and says, yeah, I'm not being altruistic. I, I just want things to be interesting, you know? Sagara knows that Ghost Future Mai exists. He has met her. 
So right. he he must be making the connection, even if no one else is at this point, that something's going to happen to mine in the future. Yeah, he's he's read the notes. He's he's seen the production stills, you know, he sees the toys that are coming. Like I kinda gotta I still don't know what's going on with future Ghost Mai. Like, I don't know what's going on with Sagara. Like, does Harry just answer me this. Does the show know what's going on with those two? Do you want me to just say what Sagara's deal is? You know what, at this point, yes. Yes. What the fuck is Sagara's game? So the future Ghost Mai reveal, that's like very late in the series, so we'll leave that until there. But Sagara you actually guessed it. He is the physical manifestation of Helheim. Okay. He is like in charge, or at least wants to see all the stuff fighting. He just wants people to evolve, stuff like that. You know, that's why he keeps, that's why he's really annoyed at Rashio that he's hawking the fruits and st- keeping stuff from progressing, from spreading. That's why he's, you know, involving himself, giving people hints. He just wants people to fight and evolve. That's his whole thing. He also wants to drop beats on YouTube. Yeah, like I think he has hobbies. You know, there's there's his job, and then there's his calling. <laughs> uh, Sagara gets with the uh, the four ceiling. Yeah, he is just uh, dropping, dropping more hints on Kota. Maya is pushing, pushing back. Like we have the very clear moral distinction right here. And then let's cut back to uh, let's cut back to Michi and the Green Overlord. Reju is kind of happy that Demushu has jumped through the portal because she's been looking for an excuse to go into Earth for a while. All Reju wants is to be like a king and rule over stuff, but Helheim is a shitty Borg world with nothing in it since they destroyed their civilization. So Earth, with all its toys, that's exactly what she wants. And she'll start by reopening the portal in the base of Yagdrasil Tower and invading the shit out of it. Michi immediately signed on with an overlord and launched an invasion of Earth. Come the fuck on, Michi. Like, what? what is your game, dude? Vines start creeping across the walls. They they sweep past people. People are being torn apart by Inves. Ryoba is watching over screens as people are shouting for help. And he's saying, like, oh, how could this happen? To cut to the outside of the tower where Yoko is trying to get him on the radio. She turns and sees a rocket popping out of the top of the tower. <laughs> Turns out that Warring had an escape pod. Sorry, Miss Minato, I'm leaving the rest to you. So in the very, very first episode, uh, one of the opening shots was the image of the uh, the Egdrasil Tower, completely covered in vines from Helheim. We didn't know they were from Helheim at the time. Uh, but hey, this is that scene. This is the moment uh, when the Egdrasil Tower is taken over uh, by the plant infestation. And the soldiers kind of understandably panic. All of their communications have cut out, and they're the only person still in charge is Yoko, because she helped kill their higher up, and maybe she's starting to regret that, because the soldiers run away, and she gets mobbed by high-level invests. So she's about to go down. Like, you know, there's there's a half dozen of these uh, high-tier dudes, but then uh, Zack and Kaito, they show up and save her. Like, they pull her out, and they give her some breathing room. And as they're uh, getting surrounded themselves, Jodichi shows up for the save. And then Bravo shows up for the save. Hot damn, the entire party's coming together. Orin just turns and smiles and says, hey, fighting for no pay is the zenith of amateurism. So childish, yet it's endearing enough to be worth protecting. Mm -hmm. Hey, Orin's a good guy. Yep, and Jodichi, he says that you should never underestimate a patisserie. 
and everyone transforms and teams up. Kaito immediately falls into the role of uh, giving the shots, like he's the team leader. Uh, he he says, like, hey, these guys are tough, like, as a group, but individually, they're weak. We can take them down. And Yoko turns and sees this guy instantly gathering together a group of strong fighters in the situation. And she kind of decides, hey, fuck warring. I have a new leader now. <laughs> uh, there was always kind of, like, uh, that sexual undercurrent between Peach and Kaito. I suspect they're going to be taking that up a notch. Yeah, I mean, like, Mai seems to be into Kaito, but it's way more mutual between uh, Peach and Kaito, I think. Peach is a warrior, and Kaito seems to be really into that. Uh, they So they're fighting, they're doing a lot better, they're doing a lot uh, better. They even have a moment where the Avengers jump all at the same time. And they take out all the Invis, and the baddies go boom! Until the, well, and then the Red Overlord shows up. Like, he just straight up melts through the ground. Like, after escaping, what he did was he went underground to that uh, spot in the uh, uh, in the uh, dam where they shoot all these toku shows, and he found some fruit, and now he's just melting straight through the ground to launch an assault on the city again. So Sagro, he says, I just want to place the most potent power in the hands of an unknown quantity, having an ace in uh, something like having an ace in their hands is bound to make things more thrilling, no? Kite, uh, Kota and Mai, back in the Grease Lightning Garage, they're completely frozen, like, uh, he has locked them in place, and Kota's just kind of, like, willpower walking forward a step at a time, being all dramatic, and reaching for the new upgrade key. He says, the only thing that feels right is to use this. Poor stupid Kota. And as Sagara fades, he says, I pray that you won't end up regretting this decision. If you're bound to end up like the Overlords, then part of your path is thinking about what that means. Spoiler alert, Kota is not nearly enough good to think about what it means until the very end. You could describe this whole show as Sagra, as Helheim or whatever, just deciding to find the most gullible idiot and giving him all the upgrades. Like, that's a valid complaint. <laughs> dropping the beats, dropping them bodies. It occurs to me, wasn't Sagra the very first person to appear on camera, at least in, like, you know, the current timeline? Like, we had that flashback or the flash forward where everyone was fighting. But when we actually jumped to the real world, it was a Sagara commercial. He, he shouted, hello, Salome City. Like, that's what that's what he first said. That's uh, what I named the episode that he showed up in. So back in the fight against the Red Overlord, uh, we see the Red Overlord eat five finishers to the face and just no-sell them all. He has been super-powered the fuck up by that fruit and by all the beatings. And he's just, yeah. The story dictates that he is here to be the baddie that's going to take out all these dudes. Everyone is kind of panicking. They say encouraging speeches to each other as Kota's running up. But then Kota arrives. He doesn't have time for regrets. He's promised Yuya. Kota no-sells one of the shots from the Overlord. And he uses the key. The fruit basket key. And Harry, so let's, let's talk about this costume. Because you say it's a good-looking costume... I say this looks like a t-shirt from a beach vendor using, like, counterfeit Chinese, like, prints. Um, it's, so it's very silver. It's very bright and silver. I guess that's kind of a thing for a lot of uh, Kamen Rider shows that the final form is just bright, radiant platinum. Uh, but the print on the show, is, or on the, sh on the front of the armor is just a series of fruit paintings. And I didn't say it was good. I said it was, like, fine. I'll, 
okay, I'll give it fine. Uh, but man, it would look just so much better without that like stenciled on art. Yeah, well, a lot of the suit is really simple because this one was a direct reaction to the previous one being big and bulky and overdesigned and falling apart. So it's just some shoulder plates, some plates at the at the waist and the chest piece, and then the rest of it's basically just spandex. I pulled it up and looking at it, and yeah, it's it's a lot more drilled down. It's kind of a basic silverish costume that uh, is the Mighty Warlord form, the the Dai Shogun. So this uh this costume shtick is that it appears to have every power and every weapon from every fruit in the show, except specifically for Jonashi's because he's above that shit. Uh yeah, he can kind of activate his belt thing and first he summons his orange slicer like usual, but then mid fight he summons two of uh or of uh Bravo's weapons the Dury saws. Then he does a shield, pulls out the grape dragon, the banana spear, just he swaps between them. And the other main thing is that it just has enough strength behind it that he's able to rock uh, Demishu. Demishu kind of has no chance at this point. Like uh, Red Overlord, he had been just tanking five members, uh, but then he then Kota walks in and Red Overlord gets tanked in turn. Yeah. So I mean, I like Kota still has to fight him. Like he's not no selling his stacks or anything, but Kota is a good fighter. So he's just, um, you know, it's just another level up. And the Overlord dies, like he gets pinned in place by bananas, and and hit with a finisher, and the first Overlord of I'm assuming many goes down. So past two episodes, Sid has died, and now Red Overlord has died. And Kota just looks at himself and says, "This is my new power." I mean, he cut to a commercial that shouts about his new power: the fruit basket, Dai Shogun, find your zenith. Yeah. So that's the end of Common Rider Gaim for this week, Harry. Um, yeah, a lot of forward momentum in the plot. God damn it. Like, we're approaching Endgame. Definitely feels like we're approaching Endgame. I mean, we're not going into it right away, but I will say the status quo is going to start shifting very rapidly. Well, the status quo has been shifting rapidly for a while, and now we have, like, multiple overlords on Earth along with a full-on invasion that has taken out the Agdorsil Tower, who coincidentally were the only people who were keeping these guys in control. So I can only assume that things are going to get out of control quite, quite quickly. Let's just say some people are going to kind of flip the whole table over really soon. But we're not going to see that right away. Mm -hmm. uh, next episode, we are covering Common Rider Zero One, Just one episode, like usual. But that's only the second most interesting thing we are covering next episode. You're, oh, yeah. So here's the problem. Uh, I'm kind of doing a bit from the show. You're supposed to ask me what's the most interesting thing we're covering next time. Oh, well, you expected me to remember specific things from the show, Harry, so that was your error. But I, actually, it's from a show you haven't seen yet. Because next episode, we're doing just a sampler of Kaiketsu Zubat. Zubat, yay! Zubat yeah. Screech! Zubat in Cave! Yeah, it's... uh. It's not a Kamen Rider series. It's not a... Uh, I, th I think it's by Toei. Is it a Pokemon uh, series, Harry? Because, I mean, it has Zubat in it. No. I, I think Zubat is some... There's some pun in Japanese. Like, it's kind of, like, quickly... I think it's a similar pun that uh, the original Zubat name came from. Well, the original Zubat name came from Japan, didn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, it's... There's some... There's some play in words that were... I, I should research this more. No, we really shouldn't. The point is, it's 
a very fun, silly show. And last time, Sam, we watched Kuga, and you're like, well, this is very slow and meditative and not very interesting. So I decided to go fully... The exact opposite? Yeah, the the fully most opposite ever. Like, let me pull up a couple episode titles. Okay. Kakutsu Zubat. Uh, Sam, pick a number between uh, 5 and 24. 21. 21. Farewell, Island Mother. Okay, that's a bit of a weird one. 16. 16 is the sorrowful Ken's accused of murder. Mm. All right, I'll just say some other ones. Uh, <laughs> the machine gun howls in the sea. The sorrowful propane. The sorrowful propane blast. The baseball opponent flies to the curb. An executioner ten seconds ago. Orphaned children tearful revenge. Right after the wandering blast. Magratory birds right in the flames. This is a very silly show, Sam. I look forward to it. Yeah, and I think, honestly, the thing we're going to do, just because of how... Ep- so, we're only doing a couple random episodes, because it's it's a very formulaic show. You'll, you'll see when you watch it, it's, it's very specific. Like, he has bits, he does the exact same one every time. It's just silly action stuff. We're not doing full notes. It'll just be, it'll just be us watching and messing around. I literally think one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to... We'll watch the first episode together, but then we'll just watch a couple other episodes on our own and have to explain them to the other person. Okay. Okay. It's it's a silly show, and you'll get it when you see it. The The people in Zalame City, they're not going to have things resolved right now. So are they, how are they going to keep themselves busy? Oh, they're going to keep dancing. <laughs> Did you forget? Yes. Okay. Okay.